joining us now on the Sprint special guest line where you can lease any iPhone X or 8 and get an iPhone 8 for free. Visit the Sprint store near you for details. It's Eric Woodyard from the Deseret News right here on 97.5, 128 of the Zone. Eric, how you doing? Eric. What's up, man? How y'all doing? Uh, it's good to chat with you again. We're doing well. Uh, let's let's start a little bit with the Ricky Rubio news. Uh, you surprised at all that Ricky Rubio essentially claims that the Jazz have told him he's not a huge priority of theirs going into free agency? Uh, I'm not really surprised. I mean, he's been kind of throwing us ever since you know, um, ever since the trade deadline. I mean, uh, you know, he's he's kind of sensed that. So no, I'm not really surprised at all, honestly. Eric, with that announcement, how much do the Jazz look at potentially Donovan Mitchell being the point and the lead at the top? Um, I mean, that's always been an option. I mean, you, you saw Ricky Rubio was hurt that he played some point guard, so I think that's always an option, but it's also going to depend on who's available, um, what they can get. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty much going to be de- determined through free agency. I mean, it's a lot of speculation, but, um, of course, he's always going to be considered as a point guard because he, he did really well, you know, Rubio. Well, when they was without three point guards, Dante Exum, Rubio and uh, Hollonetto. So, yeah, I think that's always a possibility. How how aggressive do you anticipate the Jazz will be uh, coming up July 1? I anticipate them being as aggressive as, they, as, as they've been, you know, in recent recent years. This could be um, a really, really big summer, one of the biggest summers in franchise history if they were to name I mean, if they were to land a good free agent. So I think they are going to be very aggressive. I mean, they switched over the front office. Um, I think they'll be extremely aggressive. I saw your tweet just before the show got started. Um, Epe Udo has received some offers, as you mentioned, to some powerhouses in Europe. So he's essentially gone, huh? Um, I, I think so. I mean, he doesn't feel like um, he's really a, a priority uh, through free agency with the Jazz. So um, he would be open to, to an NBA team if the, if the possibility came. But, I mean, with the offers he's getting overseas, it's seeming like that's going to be a, a much better um, uh fit for him as far as financially and you know for him to have the type of role that he wants to have so I mean people forget this guy was a EuroLeague champion uh, Final Four MVP so um, he can't play the game he just hadn't really had an opportunity playing behind um, obviously behind Rudy Gilbert and Derek Favors so uh, it was tough uh, to find minutes here yeah you're just your opinion on the impact that that has with him leaving just financially and on court the minutes that he gave him and and what they could potentially do or need to do to replace him um, I mean, you're only playing nine or ten minutes a game. I mean, for a veteran, who knows he can play. Um, if he knows he can play overseas and have a bigger role. I mean, this is really a no-brainer, you know, in that situation. I mean, it, it probably just depends on if he wants to stay in America or go overseas. So, I mean, that's that's a decision he's going to have to make. I'm not – I can't speak for him, but I think it's pretty much a no-brainer. If you can make, you know, upwards of 10 to 15 million, you know, off a three- or four-year deal or whatever he's been offered, um, I'm just speaking out loud. Uh, why would you stay in Rod Dimension? Um, you know, when you're not playing much. So, I mean, it really depends on the situation. I think it's pretty it's pretty common sense, pretty much common sense if he's not being valued through free agency like that. So the Jazz have a have, have a deadline on Derek Favors on July 6th where uh, the, he will be guaranteed his $16.9 million salary next year uh, past July 6th. So by that rationale, the Jazz have about five days to try to secure what they're going to do if they need that salary or not. So how do they juggle, you know, telling Derek, you know, try to juggle that deadline? Because we always think, well, you've got a couple of weeks. But in reality, for the Jazz, you only have a few few days to try to figure out what you're going to do. Because if not, you want Derek Favors back in the lineup. So how difficult of a process will that be for the Jazz? I think things happen so fast. You see how quickly they happened last year within the 
24 to 48 hours, they had re-signed Dante Exum, Derek Favors, and Howell Neto. So things happen extremely fast. And now they bumped the, the deadline up to where teams can actually uh, negotiate and set up things the day before now. So they'll have um, June 30th, I believe, where they can start, you know, players can start at least setting up meetings and stuff like that. So this stuff usually happens pretty fast. I think five days is, it seems like two weeks of free agency because things, you know, players pretty much know what they want to do, what team they want to meet with, and not with the deadline being bumped up where they can speak to guys, you know, the, the day before. I think things will happen extremely fast. So, yeah, it's going to be a juggle, but, you know, the, the process of free agency usually happens, man. It goes by super fast. So um, it's definitely something to juggle, but I think that's a lot of time, you know, to play with, and I think they'll, you know, pretty much know what they can do within those days. I mean, you got to gauge the free agency and, you know, gauge what you can – control at that point and then from that point I mean it's figuring out you know if they want to resign them or not and it's going to be a difficult decision I can I don't know what the front office is going to do but it'll be fun to watch and see well let's just be honest Eric let's just pretend it's just us three talking here do most guys know where they're going to go and and the backdoor conversations have already taken place where things have already pretty much been set up before July 1 ever even rolls around I mean it depends on who you are if you're LeBron James or Kevin Durant or something like that yeah but if you're Ricky Rubio or Derek Favors, you don't really know, you know, so they can't control as much, you know, a shift with Ricky Rubio going somewhere is not going to be the same with uh, with Kevin Durant, or it, it depends on the free agent, you know what I mean, it depends on what happens, it depends on a draft, it's a lot of different things that happens, I mean, you can have all these negotiations, but once the process gets rolling, it really depends on the player, the status of the player, um, it's, it's a lot that goes into that, so, I mean, in, in some cases, yeah, but in some cases, no. Eric, you've been around this league for a bit now, and, and you've seen different free agents and their thought processes. How much plays into these guys wanting to play with teammates that can help them win? What I'm asking, I guess, is how much does Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert give you an advantage in free agency? Um, it depends on what stage of the player. I mean, players can say all day, yeah, I want to win championships. But, I mean, is that what you really want to do, or do you really want to get the money? So it really depends on the player. I mean, some guys can say all day, hey, I want to win a championship, but some guys still got things they want to accomplish in their career. They want to be all NBA. They want to do things. I mean, if it's a guy that's doing the same exact thing that Donovan's doing, um, and he wants to establish himself in that role, why would he join forces? But if it's somebody that maybe is a veteran that actually wants to win a championship and play, you know, in Utah and do things like that, you know, um, you know, maybe they would want to do that. So it really depends on a player, what they want to accomplish and, you know, how much money is being offered. So, um, usually the younger guys, you know, they they, they want to accomplish things and um, not really – they could pre-championship all day, but, I mean, at the end of the day, they want to accomplish their goals. Then usually try to win a championship. But, like I said, it depends on the player, what, what level of their career and how mature they are. So, it's a lot of different factors, man. It's easy to just say one answer, but, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's sometimes it's layered like that. Eric Woodyard of the Deseret News joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. If you were uh, Justin Zanuck and uh, if you were uh, Dennis Lindsay, what, not necessarily the player, but, but what is the skill set that you want to acquire or the position that you want to acquire for this Jazz going forward? I need a guy who can score. <laughs> I need a guy who can just give me a bucket and make, make plays, give me a playmaker, whether that's a shooter, whether that's a person. You know who's a, who's a, who's a Lance guy, a three and D type guy. You know I think they just need a scorer, a secondary guy. Man, I mean Donovan's been relying on so much to do everything and make all the plays. They need a guy who can just get to a bucket. So whoever that is out there, I think they just need to take a, take a chance on a guy who can get a bucket. 
I mean, the defense, they're very solid defensively. You know, they're, they're going to have defensive principles, obviously, Rudy Gobert in the middle. But, I mean, I think the prototypical guy is just a guy who can go out and get a bucket, a guy that can get you 15 points a night or more every single night. You don't have to worry about, you know, what, what that guy's what he's going to bring. So I think that's what they need. Eric, I was hoping maybe you could provide a little bit of insight for the listeners out there um, in regards to the, jet, the the drafting process and, and how much work goes into the drafting process because everybody just kind of sees draft day and they see the picks. But what goes on behind the scenes as far as you know? Man, it's a lot of interviewing process. You know, obviously, you know, they start off with scouting pretty much all throughout the year. So you got – You've got Walt Perrin, who's pretty much over to you know player personnel. He's he's going around there. They have a whole scout team who goes around the world internationally to scout, you know, and interview guys and kind of pick people's brain. And then you got the combine where they talk to at least twenty different participants, and they can usually get a little bit more, you know. So maybe over to thirty different guys, and then they're bringing guys in for workouts. Um, even from then, they want to see how what, what's the character of these guys, you know, what's the work ethic. Um, have they had any past uh, things that can come back and uh, and hurt them? They're going through testing. They're going through mental testing to see if they can handle the pressure of being in the NBA. It's a lot of different things. I mean, guys can be good. They can average 20 or 25 points a game, but can they handle the mental side of basketball? I mean, we'd be able to handle I just watched the, uh, the documentary about Ron Artest, man, and uh, he was just talking about how his father, you know, was bipolar. And, uh, you know, he had different effects of that, and he couldn't handle it in some way. And how he turned to drinking and uh, lashing out and fighting. So I think it's a whole big lengthy process of seeing can guys stick in the league, can they play. It's more than just basketball. And then, then ultimately on draft day, it depends on what other moves are made. They can go in with you know guys in mind, but will they be available? Will they be willing to trade up? So it's a lot of different scenarios. They just have to be prepared as possible um, with some of the guys that they scouted and maybe even brought in and maybe even guys they haven't brought in. So it's a big lengthy process. That's why it's a big long team of people that are involved in this whole this whole process, man. It's crazy. Mm. Eric Woodyard right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Uh, you've uh, you, you've got some quotes from Frank Layden with his his, his uh, recent news and, and, and what he's been able to accomplish and certainly the awards coming his way. Uh, I, I know you're, you're uh, relatively new here to the scene in Utah. How much fun have you had getting to know him a little bit? It's been cool. I actually sat down with Frank Layden. Uh, I went to his house, man. I did a big story uh, – my first year on the beat, I did a story about uh, Pistol Pete Maravich, and he invited me over to his house, and he had a nice big uh, trophy room with all this stuff. And I just remember watching the whole NBA uh, tapes, and where they would have you know talking about different teams, and they had did like a profile on him and talk about how colorful of a guy he was, and he was certainly that way in person as well, man. Funny guy, a real cool guy, man. And uh, yeah, I have, I have I've had a great interactions with him since I've been here. And I'm thankful that he invited me in his home. I got a chance to see the executive of the, executive of the year trophy and uh, coach of the year trophy. And, uh, he's been great to me a couple of times. I've interacted with him, and uh, it's fun just to know the history of him and to see other people um, interacting with him as interacting with him as well. And even as he's, even as he, as he gets up in age, you know, he uh, he still has that humor, man. So that's fun to see. Eric Woodyard right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, one thing I wanted to ask you before we let you go. Uh, you you, uh, you did have some conversations with Namiya Keita from uh, Utah State. I know that you talked to him uh, throughout the, uh, the workout process. Only one of five players uh, to go to the NBA Draft Combine and still return uh, for another year is university. 
what were your thoughts on him, uh, and and why do you think the ultimate decision was to to stay and go back to Utah State? Um, I think maybe he didn't get the feedback. The biggest thing was he was telling us was he wanted to see what feedback he would get, and maybe he just didn't get the feedback that he wanted to get, and he went through the process, seeing what it takes, and now he can take it back to school for at least another year and come back an even better player and have his stock rise even higher. So I think, you know, that's the biggest thing is just to test the market. And uh, he probably just didn't hear what he wanted to hear and thought it would be better to return to school and uh, come back when he knew for sure he would be a lot, you know, to at least get drafted. You know, so I thought it was a good decision, honestly. Hey, uh, Eric, just really quick. I know Austin Horton asked you to pick up an addiction. Were you able to do that? I, no, I'm not. Okay. Right. Nah, I just play a little basketball. Go to the movies a little bit, man. That's, that's it, man. I'm addicted to this TV show called The Shy right now. Y'all should check that out. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's, a good, it's a good show. It's a cool show. Let's see. There you go. Well, Eric, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Eric. All right. No problem, man.